As runners, we all challenge ourselves in ways we never thought possible, pushing the boundaries of what we're capable of to smash through targets and set ourselves new bigger and better ones. This awesome hobby that we share gives us one thing in common and it brings us together as a community. Whether you're working towards completing your first park run or you're a veteran of the sport who's run 100 ultra marathons, we all know the feeling of reaching that maxed out effort and our own red line. Welcome to our podcast where your hosts Brett Ellsmore and Andy Maguire discuss the struggles, the successes and everything in between on our running journeys as we all work towards the next time we're running the red line. Then, welcome everyone to episode eight of Running the Red Line. Uh, my name is Brett, and I am one of your hosts tonight. And I am here with my co-host Andy. How are you doing this week, mate? I'm okay. Good to see you, as always, on a Friday night. How was your birthday last week? Oh man, yeah, it was earlier good. this week. It was good. It was good. I met up with uh, some family for um, lunch. I had a real nice lunch up at the. Um, cafe at Tidal Big Court uh, and then we went into town afterwards and uh, had some coffee and cake and did a little bit of shopping and I bought a uh, a wonderful uh, dry robe alternative which you have seen. Now this thing needs, <laughs> I can't wait to see this, I just can't <laughs> wait to see you and just, it's the most pimped up thing I've ever seen in my life. You've just got a bit, you look like Snoop Dogg. Yeah, like, I when feel I like see... Snoop Dogg when I'm wearing it. Oh man, you're just missing a cane and like a, some sort of like top out or something. When I see you, I'm gonna be like, nah, 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 nah. As <laughs> soon <laughs> as I see you, it looks yeah. like, oh, you look like such a, uh, such a gangster. Yeah. I, 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 I've, my sister said, you're gonna take that to Manchester to wear after the race. And I was like, I don't know if it will fit in my bag to take to the, uh, to the bag drop, but we'll see. So I'll see if and I it's... can stuff it in there. So it's a, it's like a one of a kind thing. So I've never seen a, 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 a anything like that. And B, let alone, I didn't know Adidas did that. Is Wait, it more it, of a, a warmth? Is it a waterproof? Is it a dry robe a, or what is it? It, it, it? No, it's a fur coat, basically. <laughs> uh, <but> it, <laughs> it's, Are you just walking like, around Redditch doing that? Just like, yeah. just, like it, just with 20, 20 pound notes. Just uh, It's basically, it's an IG rain. It's an Ivy Park collaboration with Adidas, and Ivy Park is Beyonce's brand. Wow, that's why it's so rascal then. Yes. Wow, you need to see this thing. It is, uh, <laughs> it's a beauty. It is, and is it strictly an after race kind of? Well, I, I you're going to look like it. a VIP. You're going to look like you just because... got choppered in. <laughs> <laughs> because. At races now, I've seen an influx of dry robes and people in like dry robe knockoffs and things. And I've, I've looked at them and thought, yeah, they look warm, but I'm not sure I want a dry robe because I'm, I'm never yeah, going to yeah. wear it. And then I saw that and I was like, man, that is the perfect way to keep warm after a race. And is it like, well, is it? Go on. Go on. I was going to say, has it got like that um, insulated lining and then like fur on the outside? It's not it's like... Just... No, it's 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 like it's just a, fur. Yeah, it well, no, it's got a lining, but it's like as if it was a going out 
coat. It's like an, right. a proper oh, fur, coat, fur coat. So it's essentially a lifestyle. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, it's Adidas it's a, Originals rather than a running thing. Yeah. It's genuinely a pimp's coat. <laughs> Basically, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're gonna look so crazy in that. That's gonna look, that's gonna be awesome. That is. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so yeah. So, Birthday was good, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, and then uh, I, saw, I saw the cafe. Did you a cake? Didn't they? Yes, they did. Specially made me a little cake, and uh, they they also decorated the table and put some balloons up. So that was really nice of them. Oh, nice. Yeah. One. So nice yeah, one. it was good. And then went for went for a run and uh, went down to the gym because uh, it was Monday, so it was recovery day. So did a little bit of stuff and then sat down and did nothing at the end of the day, which was really nice. I was going to say, um, did you, did you, I was going to say, did you train on your birthday? Because when it's my, like when it's my birthday, my first thought is now what, what sort of run can I do? I don't know why <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do quite like to run on my birthday. So yeah, um, well, I, I, I got changed into my running gear to run up to the Tide Big for lunch, then ran back from there and then uh, went uptown with family. And then when I got back, I went out and did a few more mile down to the gym. And then cross yeah. trainer, and then back home. Nice, That's yeah, a pretty good, good uh, pretty good day. Awesome, yeah, it was decent. Um, how's your training been going this week? Yeah, decent. I think since we last spoke, which have been Friday, uh, just last week, I did. Let me think. So Saturday, saw you for parkrun on Saturday. I did um, mm -hmm. a, t a tempo y kind of. Exactly the parkrun I said I wasn't going to do when we were sat here this time last week. I said I was going to take it nice and easy because Sunday I had the race. But I thought, no, I'll just yeah, I'll just stretch my legs a little bit. And I'll, I don't know whether it made a difference or not. I don't really know. But then Sunday I did my Borton on the Water 10K. You did indeed, which which we will recap later. Let's, let's yeah. leave pe people on tenterhooks for that. Yeah, um, all right. So so since then, then I've done um, did my recovery Monday. Wednesday, I decided not to do intervals or, uh, you know, quote unquote speed session this week. So instead, what I did was like an on offs. Uh, it wasn't really an unders overs because it was so like basically I did an, a steady K and then I did like a 10K. Basically, I did eight by a kilometer at, t at 10K pace, oh, okay. which is like maybe not the best idea three or four days after a hard 10K race. But I felt good enough. I felt fresh enough to do it. So uh, so I did it and I hit every single pace really well. Good. And uh, so that that was I was really pleased with that. And then so basically eight by K and the offs were a kilometer as well. So that was a 16 K run, which is essentially 10 miles. So I got a real and it averaged out because I did I did one at steady and then one at 10 K pace. And my average pace was bang on. I nearly said target marathon pace now, but I'm going to use the G word. It was bang <laughs> on the gimp. Bang on the gimp! It was banged on the gold marathon pace. So in Excellent. fact, it was a bit. It was a bit quicker than it was actually four fifty eight per k, which is probably eight minutes on the nose, something like that. Nice. Uh, so yeah, that was good. And then yesterday, did an easy canal out and back, uh, which is about forty, about nine mile or something like that, fourteen k. And no, nothing today. And um, yeah, and then um, I'm, I'm part running tomorrow, long run Sunday. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I've, I've had a. I've had a decent week, actually. Do you know what? My hip and my glute this week has uh, sort of played ball. It's not perfect. Wow. Nowhere near perfect. Uh, it's still there reminding me it's there, but it's not stopped me training. So I'm 
quite pleased about that. So obviously on Saturday when I saw you, um, I ran my fastest mile I've run since my injury for the first mile of park run. Went out a little yeah. bit too hot. So I ran a 545 for that first mile. So I was, uh, yeah, quite pleased with that. Um, and then, so I did park run, I think I did it in 18, 16. So a minute slower than my PB, but still, I'm, that's decent. I'm pretty pleased with that at this point yeah. in marathon training. Then Sunday, went out and did 16 uh, miles uh, in between steady and tempo. So I went out thinking I was going to run steady, but then um, because we didn't do uh, cross country, nationals because yep. that was cancelled yep. i thought i could push it a bit harder so i went a bit more towards tempo i was in in between those two paces so um that Can was I ask good. You a quick question yeah tempo yeah what does that mean because i have i don't think there's a definitive answer i think it might be subjective because i've heard somebody say that tempo should fall in between your half marathon and your 10k pace and but I always thought it was closer to your marathon pace. Yeah, than that's, that's half a half that, marathon pace. My tempo uh, pace is my marathon pace, is tempo pace. So it's somewhere in between your marathon and half yeah. marathon pace, right? Well, interesting. My, okay. my yeah, I I use temp. My tempo pace is six forty a mile ish. So that's yeah. basically mar ma target marathon pace. Um, yeah. Whereas my threshold, so your threshold um, is what you could run for an hour okay um so my at, at, at max effort or at like an so, easy yeah hour. no at, at a good effort so okay. so think slightly quicker than half marathon pace so i'd say my threshold is about six minutes a mile see my i know we'll probably get onto this on another episode but my watch tells me that my threshold pace is slower than my half marathon pace because it's I don't know why it hasn't adjusted because it's since it's told me this it's told me my pace is 444 which is about I don't know seven minutes 30 or something like that 745 or something a mile and it's said that for about six months now and since then I've got a bit faster but it yeah. hasn't adjusted itself so I think I'll take that one with a pinch of salt yeah because I I can run I well I know I can I can hold a much faster pace for an hour than 444 than you know seven high sevens so yeah. uh yeah i'll take that one with a pinch of salt yeah so yeah so i i basically uh, yeah you your threshold is what you could run for an hour uh of yeah pu pushing it um tempo is about my marathon pace and then obviously we've talked about steady so yep. um yeah I, I, so on sunday yeah i was in between steady and tempo pace so I you was do you do you do a long run Sunday? Yeah, so 16 miles at that sort miles. of pace. Yeah. And then yeah. Sun and Monday was recovery. So I did yeah. I, I think I ended up with about 12 mile of running. And then Tuesday, we had a pyramid session, which was wow. a tough, tough one because it drizzled all the way through. And then on the last two efforts, it absolutely chucked it down on us. Um, but we we're on the bus route again, and we did a pyramid session of one minute effort. Yep. two minute effort three minute effort up to six minutes and then back down to one minute and in between every effort we had one minute of jogging recovery so no walking recoveries or only no. like making well, sure you I, jog, I, yeah. other people were stopping and standing still and walking but i because i'm in 
marathon mindset i was like i don't yeah. want to stop so i was jogging my recoveries and looping back to catch back up with the uh, people who were behind to then yeah. go again but um i was uh, i was around sort of like just under or around six minute miling for most of those efforts so i was quite pleased with that um yeah. and then yesterday we had our first track session of the uh, of the uh, first time ah, on the track, wicked. which I, that must have felt good. Yeah, it was good. I I didn't realise I wore completely the wrong shoes. I was in my Boston Twelves. Um, I would have wore something different if I knew we were on the track. But uh, we did um, a very similar t- session to what you did uh, the other week, and we did two hundreds. So we did twenty times two hundred, and I lost yeah. count and ended up doing twenty one. Um, <laughs> But um, we more. had 200 effort and then 200 recovery, but the recovery was twice the time of what your effort was. I see. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so I eased into it. The first few 200s I did in about 41, 40, 41 seconds for the 200s. And then yeah. on, I think, the fourth rep, I caught up with Andy, our coach, and we started running together and then we averaged 36, 37 seconds oh, nice. for the rest of them. Um, yeah. And then on the final, well, what should have been the final <laughs> one, um, I hit a 35. So, yeah, quite quite pleased with that. Um, and just well, just I'm just going to say, I'm just going to track down my 200s. Here we go. Just to give you perspective, my 200s, my, I was running uh 200s and it was taking me 46 46 46 44 45 44 44 46 43 so yeah a 30 something yeah so, five so, seconds faster that's fast man yeah so i was yeah for most of them they were around 36 37 but yeah that last couple got down to about 35 um and uh, looking at the uh, data afterwards, a 35 second 200 is 430, no, 4.25 a mile pace. That's that's shifting, Which isn't it? I am very pleased with that, to be honest. So, uh, so yeah, yeah it, it, it was good. Um, so that was a really good session. And yeah, as I say, my hip played ball. But what I will say is I'd already done a 10K run earlier in the day as a bit of a shake out because my legs felt a bit stiff then went down mm. to session turned out to be a track session so including the warm-up and warm down and the session and the run earlier in the day and running back from the gym i ended up doing like eight and a half miles yesterday holy moly that's plus, uh, plus half an hour on the cross trainer plus half an hour of snc and it's not even long run day no that's that's <laughs> Well, I'm just looking at your um, uh, Strava, and it's quite impressive. You've got a, quite a nice little upward trend of a. You've got quite a sexy graph going yeah, on. Here. Yeah, Strava graph porn. Yeah, you you must be pleased with that. The way it's. I looking. am. Yeah, I am. So was last week a bit of a deload because I've noticed yes, it, it was ten k less. Yeah, so it was a deload to get ready for. The cross country nationals, and then uh, they cancelled. So it was uh, it was supposed to be a deload week anyway, but I was yeah. tapering slightly so I could run better at the cross country. But yeah, so another question: What's the difference between deload and recovery? 
It's just D-Lo to call away to say it. Uh, well, it's... It's D-Lo... I should, I, should, I should say a recovery week or a D-Lo yeah. week. So a D-Load week to me is you're still putting in the effort. Right. But you're just reducing the mileage. So okay. similar to taper, basically. Okay. And um, a recovery week is your... I, I would run, no I'd run everything slow, yeah. yeah. I'd run everything but, slow on a recovery week, yeah. But if you've got the time in your day, because you're running a lot slower, would you still keep that volume nice and high? Or would you still reduce the volume as well as, as well as the effort? It, it it depends where it sits in a block. If it's at, if it's like towards the end of a block, you still want that volume. So yeah, if you're running slow, you keep the mileage high. Or if you're still putting effort in, you bring the mileage down, which which I'm, is similar to taper. Yeah, because I'm I'm going to find myself in this situation in two weeks' time because I'm just at the end of week eight of sixteen of training, and what I'm going to do I'm I've done a at the moment I'm in a block of four weeks of like a build phase, and I want a week like a buffer in between that and peaking. Because I don't want to mm-hmm. go straight into because otherwise I'm going to have seven or eight straight weeks of building, yeah. and I don't I don't think that's wise, especially for me. So what I'm thinking of doing is having a bit of a deload slash recovery, and but I don't know how far down to take it because the week after will be peak. So I don't want to take it too low. So then I have to run like fifty percent more the week after. Yeah. So I might I might do what you were saying about keeping the volume sort of high-ish but the but the 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 effort is low yeah the effort down yeah so i feel recovered ready for peaking so that that's happening the week before peak week yeah that's what i've decided to do yeah okay so Um, i don't want to go straight through from my last because i I always like to put two recovery weeks in mm -hmm. i know i know a lot of people put a lot more in that than that but i'm i've i don't if i don't have a buffer of a week around about week 10 or eleven, or something like that. Then, yeah, my 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 graph will just keep going up, and I'm yeah. I think I need a bit of a break, is what I'm saying. So I'm yeah. I'm gonna either take down the well, it's definitely going to be a reduced volume because I don't think it's sustainable for me at my level. So I'm going to slowly put a downward curve in my graph before I go up again for peak. And yeah, so that's what's what I'm going to do. So I am going to okay. take like a bit of a buffer before a peak. Do you think a couple of weeks before peak would be better than the week before peak? Because do you want to go from like doing that much lower effort straight into the highest amount of effort you've got? Or do you well, want to build into that peak? I'm going to do three peak weeks. So that's the way I'm looking at it. So I'm not going to go. Oh, OK. So it's not final peak week before the marathon. No, 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 no. So I'm oh, going to okay, do three. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to do like three weeks, which are going to be like essentially the weeks, I don't know, 11, 12 and 13 and 14, 15, 16 are going to be tapers. So, yeah. So so uh, my I'm still going to build into that peak. So I, w- I want my peak to be that 14th, 13th week, the last yeah. week of the peak, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So so that's why I think that recovery week yes. just before the start of the peak, because I want See, those three weeks to be my biggest weeks. Yeah, see, that's I'm still pretty much build into it. That's pretty much what I'm doing then, because I've okay. just had a deload week. Then this week, I'm going to build back up again, and then keep on building for the next couple of weeks before I've hit peak week in 
hang on, what where are we? We're at week end of week eight. Yeah. So yeah, in three weeks' time, I'll hit peak mileage. Yeah. And are you gonna still keep your two days off a week? Yes. Yeah. So you're gonna make sure you keep in those days. See, this is where the haters gonna hate because I yeah. have decided for one of my peak weeks to run every day because I don't want to do crazy big mileage. I don't want to be doing two mm -hmm. super big long runs in the week. And I would much rather have a couple of extra recovery days, but still do, I don't know, six mile or 10 K or something as recoveries. Yeah. See, a lot of people um, have said to me to try and get my, my mileage where it, where it is, I should be running six days a week rather than five. But I prefer having the two recovery days and then doing doubles. So like on a Thursday now, I've started doing a double. So I do a, a run in the day and yeah. then do session in the evening. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, so you that's know, my preferred way of doing it. But you could spread it over an extra day. Yeah. So, you know, the whole double threshold idea that a lot of people love to do. Yeah. Do you do any of that? Like double back to back no. efforts on the same day? Or do you think that's a recipe for disaster? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, for, for me, for for my training, for what I'm going for, I don't think double threshold would work for me because yeah. it's it's not – the double threshold isn't about doing, like, intervals and stuff like we've been doing in our training. It's about hitting that threshold pace two mm -hmm. times a day for a good yeah. chunk. Um, yeah. So you're just building up that – endurance but yeah. um i i prefer to do the stuff where i'm running faster um to get that speed in my legs so when i'm running yeah. at marathon pace it feels easier well that kind of brings us on to one of the things on our sort of list of things to talk about which was intervals slash speed work and like what would you say are your go-to or favorite speed work sessions do you have any or do you just play it by ear every time you get the well, shoes on you see what you fancy the only sessions i really plan myself are my um sunday long run because other than that on a monday is recovery so i just yep. run really easy um and then on a saturday i normally run down to park run run park run and then run back from park run so that's not yep. really a session it's just going down to do that 5k um, and then on a sunday i'm setting what i do on a sunday but on my tuesdays and thursdays because i'm going down to a session with the club um i just do whatever andy our coach has set for that evening um right. so yeah it, it will be a mixture of different sessions so as i say this week we did a pyramid session uh, yeah. which was longer sustained efforts um, towards the middle and then reduced again. And then Thursday we did 200s. But um, yeah. we've got we've got one of my favourite sessions actually coming up on Tuesday next week, which is a great session. So it's going to be on the track again. Yeah. And, um, and it's uh, apparently one of Paula Radcliffe's sessions. Oh, yeah. um, and it's 45 minutes. Yeah. of running running around the track and it's alternating 400s so you run a lap at marathon pace yeah and then the next lap you run at 10k pace and then you alternate right. between marathon pace and 10k pace for 45 minutes 
So your marathon pace becomes your sort of float pace, really. Your yeah. uh, so the slowest you'll be running. That's yeah, that's um, that that's sounds pretty tasty, pretty spicy. Yeah. Forty five minutes. Yeah. So yeah. Um, my my ons will be at if I'm going for my PB ten k pace, my ons will be about eighty five second laps, and then my marathon pace laps will be 100 seconds so one minute 20 yeah oh that'll be uh... no so, no that that is 80 seconds isn't it one minute 20 <laughs> sorry one minute one minute 40 100 seconds yeah oh so, so, it's, so it's quite yeah, a considerable so, amount so yeah, yeah, yeah so, yeah. so at eight, 85 for the ons and 100 seconds for the marathon pace so 15 yeah. seconds difference yeah but it's still 640s so it's still a decent pace it's not like you're dawdling yeah. along um, yeah but yeah that that's a really good session we did that one last year and i really enjoyed it right i seem to be drawn constantly towards the classic six by two six by three minutes or i'm at six by twos at the moment because I, I haven't really built up to six by threes but that that's just seems to sit nicely for me and yeah. i don't know whether i'm just being lazy or this is clever but I do like a walk in recovery because I do like to go hard on the intervals. Yeah. And then I, I normally need, that's the thing though. I normally, especially at week eight of marathon training, because I've relatively haven't done a lot of speedy stuff. Yeah. It's mainly been long, easy or steady stuff. So I, I'm finding that the, the, the walking stuff is, is needed, but maybe in a few weeks time, I can start to jog those recoveries or yeah. at least but it, run walk them. But it depends how hard you're pushing the efforts as well. So intervals, are you going absolutely flat out on those intervals or are you holding back a little bit and it's more threshold pace? So no, are it's, you... it's for me, an interval, the intervals that I tend to run are faster than 5k pace. They're faster yeah. than they're like my dream 5k pace. So it's not like sprint finish, you know, yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. like running hell for leather pace. It's like, I wouldn't say I'm holding back because it's still a hell of a lot of effort. I'm still at like 90, 95%. Well, more like 85, 90%. But uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say um, I, I don't, I don't know why, but I never really seem to do any speed work that's slower than 5k pace for less than two minutes. Because in my head, I'm thinking, well, that's not worth it. I might as yeah. well, if it's 10k pace, I might as well do a kilometer. I may as well do half a mile, yeah. Which is probably a maybe a silly way of thinking about it, but I'd much rather push myself harder for a shorter amount of time. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so that's that's the way I approach it, I guess. Have you have you ever done any fartlek sessions? Uh, yeah, but again, my interpretation of fartlek is probably completely wrong. So I, I will just basically use a fartlek as like an effort thing where I'll just move up and down you know, the effort ladder really where I think is hard and then slightly yeah. less hard and then nice and easy and then back to sort of semi, you know, semi, you know, I can't say semi-hard because there's all sorts of <laughs> entendres there. But like, um, yeah, but so that, no, I don't really, I don't really do too many fartlicky, too much fartlicky stuff, but. That is exactly what a fartlick is though because fartlick yeah. is basically, it basically means speed play. That's what it yeah. translates, translates to. So as long as your run is, lots of different 
paces for different yeah. amounts of times, then it's a fart lick. Yeah, because I know what, what's that? Fa what's that? Um, the Kenyan thing they do on a Tuesday or on a Thursday or whatever yes. it is in I10. Yeah, yeah. They always do. Is it like two minutes on, one off, or something like that, or yeah, the other way around? Like or yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's they'll decide the pace, but the the on pace will be like yes, five k pace, won't it? It will be fast. It'll yeah. be hard. Yeah, yeah, but then but then they do other ones where they they bring the speed down and they'll they'll mix up. Um, different paces within the efforts so but, so do those do those guys just all meet on like whatever morning it is and they just decide it there and then on the day what they're all going to do and then I, you just I join in so. if you're there because i'm so. sure i'm sure i saw is it ben is running or the welsh runner or someone do that when they went to kenya and um they they just turned up to track and then there's you sort of almost hear all these whispers and you have to ask the person in front of you what what the people have decided and by the time you've gone to get your watch they've they're off They've gone. Yeah, yeah. And you've just got to kind of, if you can, keep up with the pack. And that's how they do it, isn't it? They all just sort of run together yeah. and yeah. lap their watches every minute or two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, it's, yeah. It, 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 it's, it's a good – I quite like fartlicks because it's a good way of getting that um, endurance into your legs um, yeah. and, in, and into your lungs uh, because yeah. – th the difference between fartlek and intervals is like when you're doing your intervals, you can stop and walk or yeah. have a standing recovery or something. But a fartlek is all about you are running for the whole period of time. You're just playing yeah. with paces and, and having slower and faster paces. Yeah. So it, it, it's good. It's, it, I, I, I quite like them that, and that's what I tried to keep. So my pyramid session that's why I wanted to do the jogging recoveries in between. So it was a bit yeah. more like a fart lick rather than stopping and standing still and then going again. Um, yeah. I wanted to keep that um, movement in my legs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, do you ever do, especially in races, do you ever do surges? Do you ever try and drop people? Because I imagine that's quite useful. Uh, I, I bet you, we'd all look, we'd all love to be able to do yeah. that, wouldn't we? But like, I, I've, I have tried. Um, and I, <laughs> they've caught you back yeah, up. Yeah, there they've are moments, past you. Yeah, there are times <laughs> when I've tried and it just hasn't happened because people go yeah. with you. But yeah. um, I did try and do that. I know that was my exact um, plan of action for um, Ulster 10K, where I got yeah. my PB last year. So my plan from the start was to go out at PB pace. Yeah, and then. At 5k, there's a hill, and my plan was get to that hill at five at um, PB pace, and then push hard up the hill to try and get away from people if if I could, but get that hill out of the way. Yeah. So then it was just a case of just gunning it to the finish. Then. Yeah, because um, you because because you know because you're you're pretty you're pretty confident on hills, aren't you? Yeah. Where others where others may look at a hill and think, oh shit. You're you're thinking, I can drop a few people here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, but that that brings me on to a, another thing which I've just thought of, um, and um, like I think I enjoy running hills, and I'm not bad at running hills because I've got such a short stride. Um, yeah. So I take more steps. Um, than other people do who have got longer strides. And apparently, to get up hills, you need to shorten your stride anyway. 
because that then allows you to get up the hill quicker. Um, so if you so if because... you try and stride up a hill, you're gonna probably hit a wall sooner. You're probably yes. gonna yeah okay. yeah, and and it's not as easy because obviously the floor is going up, so you yeah. can't take such long step because yeah, as you'd stride out, you'd be hitting the floor constantly with your legs. So you yeah, need to yeah, shorten yeah. your strides to get up the hill. But um, we, we were looking after the session on Thursday and um, I looked at my cadence. And uh, so on most of my runs recently, my my average cadence is about 185 yeah. steps per minute, which is quick as an yeah. average cadence anyway. Yeah. But during the 200s on Thursday, I hit a maximum cadence of 247 steps a minute. Wow. <laughs> so I must have looked like Roadrunner. My legs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, that is mad. That is interesting. Because I think a lot of people like to hit that, that round number of 180, don't they? Yeah. Of uh, the, the cadence, the magic number. So two yeah. nearly 250. Yeah. Holy moly. Yeah. Interesting. Because you you once described your cadence to me as a shuffle, a marathon shuffle. Yes, the marathon like a Muhammad, shuffle, yeah. A, a Muhammad Ali-style shuffle, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, did... That's one of the things. They, 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 they do say people have a marathon shuffle running style, and that suits different like dif distances and different um different events yeah so this is like did you say it's you think or it could be attributed to your something to do with your hamstrings yeah i, th I think yeah so i stupidly a couple of years ago um when i got really back into running and exercise and stuff because uh, i was doing some cycling as well i thought i'm going to enter a triathlon I can't really swim very well, so I'll start going swimming. And I started going swimming like three times a week and um, pushing off the end of the pool on every uh, length. I screwed up my hamstrings and like proper hurt, wow. like damaged my hamstrings. So I think then getting back into training after that, I yep. started to take shorter steps to yep. try and uh, not overextend my hamstrings. And I think it's just developed into that's the way I run. Interesting. Because you were like that, you were looking for that explosive push off. Yeah, you know, off, you, the, you yeah were, off the wall. Uh, off the wall. Yeah. yeah. I was basically in my head, I was like, well, I can't swim very well. So if I push harder and float through the water for half the length, I haven't got to swim <laughs> as much. <laughs> yeah. If I become a human torpedo for as long as possible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, sw swimming's not for me. Swimming's not for me. Well, it's weird how the uh, how it's all worked out because it's kind of given you a almost an advantage when it's well, come to hilly possibly, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But I yeah, imagine but... there's... Yeah. So does that mean you, you tire quicker, potentially? Because you do take more steps? Well, I don't know because... It's that whole thing of like cycling. Um, I don't know whether you like followed cycling years ago. Do you know the whole Lance, no. Lance Armstrong thing and everything when he eventually got done? But yeah. When when he started winning um, the uh, Tour de France and stuff, the reason he was doing so well on the hilly sections 
is because instead of grinding it out on a really hard gear and doing really like having to use loads of power to push through every pedal stroke, yeah. he developed a style where you went into a much lower gear and just let your feet go. So they were pedaling at a much higher cadence. So they were using their uh, aerobic capacity to push their feet around quicker rather yeah. than trying to slowly grind up the hills. And yeah. that technique then started to catch on and people started to use it because they realized if they built up their aerobic capacity, they could get yeah. on the hills quicker by having a much higher cadence. Yeah, And I think that also applies to running, I guess, because uh, the higher cadence allows you to be better up the hills and stuff. But it just yeah, means yeah. that you need your aerobic to be better. So I, I, I'm guessing other other people who have got a longer stride are a much stronger runner than me. Right. So like, li what literally their legs are more solid, muscular. Yeah, it, with, possibly, with muscles, yeah. you mean? I guess so. Muscle wise, yeah. Okay, interesting, interesting theory. Yeah. So yeah, speed work for me. My go to is. Uh, yeah, those big chunky intervals, and and by the way, you know, you mentioned the uh, the two hundreds. I do actually really like running those two hundreds as well, and I'll run them at quite a similar effort. I could maybe even run them quicker because when I did the ten by two uh, hundreds on my first couple of weeks of training, I was finishing the two hundred and thinking, "Oh, is it over already?" Like not mm. not sounding like I'm like you know Usain, but like I uh, I was looking at my watch thinking, "I." I could maybe have pushed that slightly quicker. But having said that, towards the end, I did obviously feel the fatigue of it. But I do quite like those. It's nice to feel light on your feet, though, isn't it? Yeah. Because you, apart from a sprint finish, you very rarely, or I very rarely, get a chance to run that fast. Mm. So when you're running faster than one of your, I don't know, 5K pace, it's, yeah, you, apart from getting like a nosebleed when you, everything's telling you to stop, it's actually quite a... <laughs> quite a nice liberating feeling especially when yeah. you know it's not going to last that long yeah no so, it, yeah. It, 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 it was really nice actually yesterday to actually get that speed in the legs because it's a it's been a long time since i've actually pushed to that speed so yeah it was yeah. it was, it was a, a, a good way to um set it, to spread the different types of session through the week because obviously we had that pyramid session then the explosive speed session and yeah. then i'll have my marathon pace session on sunday so it's nice variation and just quickly you mentioned about the track and you said you you, you might have chosen the wrong shoes or whatever but what shoes because i never run on a track apart from like mm. i've said before apart from amsterdam marathon the last 200 and the first 200 but what shoes should people be turning up to training in or track do you well, think depending I, on the session i was wearing my boston 12s and although they are a good training shoe and you can still pick up the pace in them and they still feel quite snappy and stuff, I would yeah. generally use a much lower stack shoe on the track because you're turning that bend every hundred meters. You're now then in another bend for a hundred meters. I yeah. don't like that high stack feeling of yeah. feeling like you're going to go over on your ankle. So I wear a much lower stack shoe. So I, I have done, track sessions in Takumi sends um but a shoe I really like using on the track is the Adios 8 um right. so they are um they've got light strike pro in the forefoot 
but then they've got light normal light strike two in the heel and uh they're a much lower stack um but they're still an adi zero minimalist shoe so yeah. you can you can get around the track nice in in those shoes yeah but all right but cool. yeah i i, I would i would yeah, I would go for a much lower stack on the track than I would for a normal session. So you don't necessarily need to rock up in your in your super shoes. No, although a lot of people do sessions on the track in super shoes. I I don't like the feeling of using super shoes on the track. They just don't feel stable enough to be constantly yeah. turning in. Um, and you don't need spikes. I mean, if if you're racing and you're doing um, like um affiliated races so they're under uh, under uk athletics rules then you have to have them you have to have spikes but yeah training sessions i i wouldn't do all my training sessions in spikes even though i own a pair of spikes because if you've not worn spikes before because you've got so much more traction and grip on your forefoot all of the effort goes into your calves and after after a track race my yeah. God, you cut your calves are on fire. So yeah. um people not used to spikes, the first time they use them, they can get some troubles and issues. So it is always worth trying them out first. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be training in them for every training session. When it yeah. when it gets to, when it gets to tracks at track season, I'll probably do um half a session in spikes before the first race of the season just to get used yep. to running in spikes again but all the all the training i'll do in normal shoes right yeah right that makes sense mm. so in terms of um your super shoes yes. do you and let's what how should we classify super shoes basically they're mega expensive ones <laughs> and yeah i would say super shoes have got to have super foam or what they what, like the high-end foam yeah um and nine times out of ten, they'll have a carbon plate or carbon rods. Yeah. So with with that said, how often do you wear your super shoes, and what purpose do they serve? So and how and how many pairs of super shoes have you got? I well, it depends. Do you class a pair of Takumi Sens as super shoes because they've got the super foam, but they've got glass fiber rods rather than carbon rods? So it's See, whether you I, class those as a super shoe or not. I'd say they're not. I, I wouldn't don't know say why. they're a sh- super no. shoe. No, I wouldn't say they are. I, I'd say for the for a super shoe, you've got to have the high stack as well. Yeah. Yeah. And they're a bit more minimalist, although yeah. they are still I, quite a high stack. Yeah, I suppose <laughs> they compared are. To, compared to flats of years ago. Oh, yeah. that actually brings me on to something which I was going to mention um, today. Oh. So um, we'll carry on about super shoes in a minute. But I was doing some uh, clearing about and moving around the other day. And I found my first ever pair of marathon shoes. You still got them? These are what I ran uh, London 2012 in. Wow. And I can't even imagine running in these now, let alone running a marathon. God. The Adidas Response Cushion 20. Look at the heel counter on them. I know. Look at look at the padding in the heel. That's like... But, but it's rock hard. They're heavy. Are they heavy? Yeah, they're heavy. It's not very 
soft because it's just normal EVA foam. So right, yeah, yeah, no, no rods or anything. They've just got the old Adidas torsion system. I remember the torsion system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, but I suppose blow, blown rubber soles, um, outsole. So, but yeah. Uh, but 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 when you were first going shopping for them shoes especially in 2012 you probably never heard of super shoes were super shoes no. even a thing back no. then no carbons no when, when, when did they come out super shoes uh i imagine the Vaporfly was probably the first Va was it uh the alpha uh, maybe the first ever super shoe was the uh nike tempo next percent next percent yeah yeah i remember the tempo next which percent. Yeah, was because then i think that was only about six seven years ago yeah 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 so i wonder if like nike have started a, a you know they've started a battle that they feel like they're losing now because they <laughs> well, i don't everybody's know if they've caught up now yeah i wonder if they've had people that have worked for nike and then they've been poached by adidas been poached by puma they've been yeah. poached by Socony or uh, brooks brooks have got super shoes now so like the tech is everywhere now isn't it yeah. it's like Apparently, I, th um, I think I'm probably going to get this wrong now, but I think it was the American Olympic trials, but not the one that's just gone for the Tokyo Olympics. Um, Nike provided um, either alpha flies or vapor flies for every athlete to wear because right. other other athletes who weren't sponsored by nike were complaining so much that nike athletes had an advantage because they had super shoes and everyone else had normal flats yeah that to make it fair nike provided a pair of super shoes for everybody wow. um but obviously a lot of people who were sponsored couldn't take them and use them because they were sponsored uh, by another brand yeah. Because they're under contract, yeah. Yeah, but for Nike, they made it okay for their athletes to be wearing them because they said, look, if you think it's unfair, you can have exactly the same shoes. Ah. So, but, well, it's, but it's changed now because every brand's got a super shoe. And even brands yeah. who you wouldn't think would have super shoes have super shoes. Yeah. I think I think kickers have got a super shoe now. Pod. <laughs> Pod. <laughs> Pod. Did you used to wear pod at school? I did. No, I had a pair of kickers. I didn't have a pair of pods. I had a pair of kickers. Um, no, I don't think my mom would let me have pod. In fact, my mom used to kill me because I used to have. I used to wear something called bootleg, and that was basically literally bootleg copies of pods. Yeah. So you're yeah. having them. You're having. I was like, mom, <laughs> I'm gonna get like beaten up on the playground. And um, or what was the what was the one that all the the, the, the Wellard kids had the rock ports in the rock, rock ports rock ports yeah 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 so that that that's normally the that the proper naughty kids at school have the rock ports yeah yeah but uh, yeah but yeah now every brand's got a super shoe so um, going back to what you were saying so I I do use my super shoes every now and then in training but I try to. I've used them more this training block than I did last training block, but I try to not use them in all of my marathon training sessions on a Sunday because yeah. I want to feel the benefit of the super shoes when I get to race day. Yeah. 
So I'd rather do the training in a shoe that isn't as responsive and still hit yeah. the paces. So when I get to race day, I set off and go, oh, my God, I'm running this pace and it doesn't yeah. feel half as hard. Yeah. See, that's what I like about, for example, I've got the the pink shoes in my rotation are called the Socony Endorphin Speed 3s. And they've got a nylon plate, which is a lot more, it's more bendy, basically. Uh, so it's not quite, you don't quite have that same responsive kind of toe off or whatever it's called mm. uh, that, than you would with the, the Adios Pro 3s. They're not as stiff. And they do simulate, well, technically they would be a super shoe, I guess, because of the foam in it and the plate that runs from heel to toe. Uh, but it's just not a carbon plate. But that's why I do like doing my long runs in them because they kind of simulate that feeling of, of the super shoe. But I'm still working slightly harder than I would yeah. in a carbon shoe. So occasionally I'll wear my vapor flies for long runs uh, or maybe speed sessions. They're creeping into my everyday training runs at the moment, which I wish they wouldn't, but I just keep reaching for them because I, in my head I've got that they're fast shoes. So I wear them on my fast efforts. But um, I uh, I don't know where I was going that with, with, with that really. But no, I don't, I'm not adverse to, wear, to wearing my carbon shoes for training because I don't really seem to feel the, I don't get problems with my knees. I think a lot of people suffer with mm -hmm. knee problems uh, with carbon shoes. A touch wood anyway, I'm okay. But yeah. some people work that, that literally race day only. And even that is too much for some people. So, yeah. so yeah, I, I don't mind wearing my, and, and I've got my Adios pro threes that have been literally worn about three or four times that I will race when we're racing that 20 miler, that will be the one and only time I might wear them again after that, before the race, but I will wear yeah. them from Newport as well. Yeah. Um, See, because I, I'm gonna... Go on. Like you said, I just want to feel that benefit mm -hmm. of uh, that brand new shoe. Yeah. So yeah. In the business. That's what I was going to say. I'm going to buy a new pair of Pro 3s ready for Manchester, and I'll probably run the 20-miler and then the marathon after that. And I just want that brand-new poppy feel to them because the pair I've got now, I think I've done 250 mile in, and they still yep. feel great. They Every time I put them on, I'm like, wow, these are great shoes. But I know in my head if I've got a brand-new pair, mentally i'll think it's faster as well yeah and yeah. It's, yeah. it's always good half of the battle is mental so if you can feel even better in your head then i think yeah. that's a, a another win yeah and i think if you can yeah uh on on the on the day you you can't really unless you've done a race i don't know if you can't really think about life before racing can you but i remember running my first race i ever did was the worcester city runs the half marathon 2021 i think it was that was my first ever race it was a half marathon i remember looking at my watch and i'd done three miles done 5k or seeing the 5k marker and thinking i think i've just got a 5k pb here but i didn't even <laughs> feel out of breath i didn't even feel so like race day can do funny things can't it it can yeah. like but that's why a lot of people get into trouble later on because a lot oh, of yeah. it's adre adrenaline and yeah, that's why you know, you've always got to hold yourself back at the start of a marathon, never go off too fast. Yeah, yeah. But I remember doing that race, and I mean, I I don't think I even really used to have a five k PB back then. I just entered myself into that race, 
and realized I got like a 5k, 10k half marathon PB all in one day. But <laughs> I, uh, I remember just thinking, wow, this, <laughs> it didn't feel like this in the second hour of that two hours. But I remember just thinking, this feels so easy. This feels great. And it's never felt this easy before. And that, I do like that feeling in a race, especially when you go into it and you're feeling good. But I remember that uh, athlete, was it Steve Cram or the guy that Steve Cram was talking to when we both went to the running show? He was yeah. talking about the rule of thirds. And I, yes. I, I quite like that, about like the first third of your marathon should feel, if anything, easy. quite easy. Yeah. Your middle third should be, okay, right, I need to lock in. I need to try and focus. And your final third is just survival and trying to trying to just hang on. And if you've got anything left, you know, it sh you should be in a world of pain. That that yeah. final third, you should be. Uh, so the rule of thirds will be something I'll be um, taking taking with me because I think if you break that rule of thirds and you're struggling in that first third, yeah. or you get to that final third and you're still feeling right as rain, then maybe you weren't going fast enough. Or you know, so if yeah. you, I think that rule of thirds as a as a rule kind of is 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 yeah. quite useful. Yeah, decent. Yeah. Um, Talking of super shoes, um, one thing I have written down on my list of things to talk about is the Osaka <clears throat> Marathon for one reason in particular. But um, apparently it was a bit of a, a tough day over in uh, Japan on the Osaka mm. Marathon on Sunday. Um, I think the uh, I think it was five degrees C. Um, when the race started and it was raining throughout and proper windy. So people yeah. were like getting hypothermia and all sorts whilst they were yeah. running bad. But um, the main reason I want to talk about it is the guy who won it, and I'm going to absolutely uh, destroy his name here, uh, trying to say it, but uh, Kyoto Hirabayashi, Hirabayashi, sorry. I think I think you did that really well, mate. <laughs> so Don't Kyoto, listen to anyone who's, who Hirabayashi. says Japanese isn't good as it used to be. Yeah. yeah, he. It was his debut marathon, so it, it it his very first marathon. He was twenty one years of age, and he ran a two oh six eighteen for his first ever marathon in those conditions. But what shoe? Do you think he was running in and won the Osaka Marathon in? Kickers? <laughs> uh, you're going to tell me it's something crazy like not a super shoe now, or it's going to be like not a big branded super shoe. I'm going to go for the Puma Fast R. No, it wasn't a carbon plated shoe. Was it Sukhani? No. Was it a nylon? Adidas? No. It Lots. was the Takumi Zen 9. No way. So the same as what uh, Emil Caress run the Olympic standard in, in London. So he run London in <clears throat> 208 something, in the Olympic standard in a pair of uh, Takumi Zen 9s. This guy, 21-year-old, come out, debut marathon in a pair of Takumi Zens and wins the Osaka Marathon. See, that's, crazy that, is that? Th that's... that's... That is crazy. Don't get me wrong. That is not the shoe you'd expect someone to be wearing. But that also annoys me that so many, you know, shoe tubers and stuff were saying, do not run further than 10K in the Takumis when they first came out. 
Mm-hmm. I remember so many people saying this is a 10k shoe max because they were comparing it to the Nike one, weren't they? The yeah. Street Fly, and they were saying it's got no comfort to it. It's um, it just you, you won't be able to run anything faster or further than a 10k. Yeah, and, and I'm glad someone has proved that theory wrong because I'm always wary of people that tell you how far a shoe can run. Well, have a have a look at the flats before Super Shoes came in. Have a look at the flats that, that Kipchoge was running. Uh, like stupid times in they, yeah. there's, there's even less cushioning than a Takumi Sen if you'd have pulled out a Takumi Sen back when they were racing in flats they would go that's that, that's illegal that's a really high stack shoe you can't be running a marathon in that yeah yeah. so yeah it, it just shows you can I wouldn't yeah. recommend it running a full marathon in a Takumi Sen if you're not a elite athlete like that guy or yeah. Emil Caress. I wouldn't because Emil Caress apparently after London said his feet were in bits from running really? that full marathon in the Takumi Sen. So, but up to a half marathon, I would say, yes, go for it. Yeah, half my, marathon. My, half marathon, my half marathon PB's in that shoe. Yeah, Takumi exactly. Sen 8. So I would say, yeah, go for it. You, you can yeah. do way more than 10K at a decent pace in those shoes, and they feel great. Ah, interesting. So uh, Osaka is... This obviously the second biggest marathon behind yes. Tokyo, which, which is, is this week, weekend, which is one of the world marathon majors, which is the first of the six to kick off the uh, the new yep. season. And uh, there's a couple of high flyers, high rollers in Tokyo, including the goat. Yes, and uh, also Sifan San as well. Yeah, yes. So Kipchoge's running. Um, Tokyo, which is going to be great to see him back out on on uh, the streets on a marathon. But uh, yes, yeah, has, has, has he raced since Berlin? I don't think so. No, no. They they tend to only do one or maybe two a year, don't they? Well, like yeah. most of us. But like, yeah, yeah. But he, yeah. obviously, his next one will be Paris. Will be the Olympics. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. this is pro- this is like his tune up race for the Olympics. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm looking forward to watching uh, Sifan Hassan run because uh, I love she, that woman. Yeah, she's so good, isn't she? Just she, sm- <sighs> smile on her face at all times. She's ah, just, just I, I think like when you think about iconic London Marathon moments, when 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 she was handing the bottle around, saying, "Does everybody want a drink, girls?" <laughs> and then like, and, like five it was more the before that, power play, biggest power and, play in the world. Five yeah. mile before that, she was she was like, "Oh, I'm just gonna have a quick stretch in my hamstring." And you're thinking, yeah. "She's gonna, she's gonna pull out here." And she was in about fourth or fifth by then. And then yeah. her sprint finish at the end, that finish yeah. for that, um, I think it was three of them were in contention to win it that year, weren't yeah. they? Yeah, something uh, like that. Yeah, yeah, that was a one hell of a, sp- a finish to the to the women's twenty twenty three race, twenty twenty two. Sorry. When she when when she almost missed the bottle, and then she decided to more or less run back she on went, herself to go and get the bottle, yeah, and then ran yeah. ran up to all of them and went, "Oh, you didn't get your bottle? Do you want some?" <laughs> yeah, so good. What a like, woman! I've got enough energy to even go back and get my bottle. You're on your limit. Yeah. <laughs> but she seems like such a gracious, um, yeah. zero ego, and she just seems like a real. You just root for people like that, don't you? you yeah. She just seems like a you know a real one. She seems like a really. And really talented as well, because didn't yes. she smash Chicago? Yes. She uh, won yeah, Chicago, it, wait, the, I think. Chicago, she won, did the second fastest women's marathon ever. And yeah, if yeah. it wasn't for 
Tiggs de Seffer, who had broke the world record by stupid amounts by like three minutes, it would have been yeah. a new world record. So, yeah. is Tokyo so, famously one of the harder of the six to, to, to run? I don't know if it's hilly like no, London I, or Boston, or is I it think, fast? I think it's one of the faster ones. Oh, is it? Yeah. So Some, uh, somewhere think, in between after Chicago and Berlin, I would have thought. Tokyo yeah, so is I, next, I, maybe. I think Sifan Hassan will be going for going for it. So hopefully yeah. she can she can smash it out of the park. Have you heard that there are talk there is talk of making it an eight star uh World Series with uh I heard well, Sydney and Cape Town being added. So I don't know about Cape Town, but Sydney have now hit the second stage of becoming a world marathon majors. So last really? year for the Sydney Marathon, I think they had to have at least 30,000 runners hmm. um, and had to like hit certain things and certain um, qualification rules to become a uh, marathon yeah. major. And they did most of them last year. So if they can then uh, have a really big event this year again, they may become the seventh marathon major. Ah, interesting. That would be quite a good one, I would have thought. But it's yeah. I've never been to Australia, but I, I think Sydney's quite a hilly city, isn't it? That wouldn't be an easy one. No, I don't think it's an easy to run around marathon. No, but because there's there's a race. Oh, I wish I knew what it was called. I think it's called Surf to Sea, something like that. There is one of the biggest races in the world in Sydney. I think it's from, is it Bondi or something like that? And I think it's a 10K, but it attracts, no joke, it attracts like upwards of nearly 100,000 people or something stupid like that. Oh, maybe wow. I've over-exaggerated that, but I'm sure, maybe someone can tell us in the comments. I'm sure it's called the Surf to Sea and it's huge, but I'm pretty sure it's a 10K. So, uh, yeah, I, I know um, I can imagine it will attract a lot of people, the, the Sydney Marathon. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that that would be one I'd look at trying to get. If it does become a marathon major, that would be one I'd yeah. love to go over yeah. and do. But it would be one of the reasons I haven't been and done loads of overseas races is because the expense of actually going over to do yeah. a race. Because if I'm going abroad to go and run a race, Whilst I'm running that race, I'm not going to see the place properly. The day no. before, I'm not going to want to go and sightsee because I'm going to want to save my legs. So you're going to have to stay there a few days afterwards, which yeah. then makes it very costly. And yeah. then uh, if you have a shocker of a race, are you going to want to celebrate and spend time wandering around the streets whilst your legs are in bits? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. It's just yeah, saving up and picking the right place to go. And I know, I know, I know. A lot of people will will use the six stars as different sort of, you know, so like for example, I I know uh, someone who who wants to do all six of them sub three hours. Like that's their that's their target. Yeah. Um. So, some people I spoke a mate of mine from Worcester Pitchcroft Park called Kieran. He's done. He might have done four or five in the night in Boston. I think he did Boston like 301 or something like 302. He's done, um, I think he's done them all apart from to Tokyo, maybe. And he, we were chatting at Parkrun and he said he's got completely the different ethos. He, in, he quote marks, enjoys the races, still does them in 302, by the way. <laughs> yeah. 
But the ones like Manchester and Chester and Brighton and Edinburgh, they're the ones that he will really, you know, he will really focus yeah, on getting the time. times on. And he will, you know, take his foot off the gas slightly to drink it all in. Because I imagine those six-star races are crazy. I imagine they're... I mean, you've obviously done London as a spectator yeah. as well. Like, it yeah. must be... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Manchester was probably the biggest marathon I've done. Or Amsterdam, maybe. That was pretty big. And the, the adrenaline you get from the crowd and the other runners and stuff is mega. So I, I can't imagine what that London, the, the Tower Bridge bit is like. That must yeah. be that must it, be it's, insane. It's incredible. Um, and it is really good when you're feeling okay. When you're feeling terrible, it's the worst thing. <laughs> because people really? are going, come on, you've only got a couple of miles to go. And you're feeling like absolute death. And you yeah. have people screaming your name, telling you how, come on, you can you can do it. You can speed yeah. up. Come on, there's only yeah. a little bit of distance. And you're thinking, you need to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I was doing the Brighton Marathon around that industrial estate right now. <laughs> where there's no just a load of empty pallets. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine um, that. But that no, yeah, the atmosphere is incredible. So I, I can't imagine what it would be like in like all the other countries as well. And but, Japan... But like, it's just like their their culture is 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 big into running. Running's a yeah. massive thing in Japan, so I yeah. can imagine it being incredible. Yeah, that would that would be a lot of fun to go over there. So, yeah, that'd be great. If it, good luck, I don't know if anybody will listen to this on the start line of yeah, Tokyo or not. But if, yeah. if anybody is racing, and the best of luck, we wish you yeah. we wish you well, and uh, let us know how you get on, or if you've done Tokyo maybe in the past. Let us know what was different about it. What made it, you know, so uh, so different? Like, I'm sure I watched uh, Benny's running last year, did Osaka. And I, one of the things I remember was at the start line, everyone was just sat down. Yeah, there's a long uh, in, waiting in, time. Yeah, and people in, just in, sit down where they are. In, yeah, In the pens and everything was almost like deathly silent almost. And I mean, that could have been part of their COVID response or something like that. I don't know. But um, I remember someone was lining up to do Tokyo last year or the year before and the rules had come through and it was like you weren't even allowed to talk to people or something like that on the start line at the just after they'd relaxed the covid restrictions so they they took it really seriously you couldn't stand within two meters of anybody else the mm -hmm. starting pen was about 14 miles long <laughs> <laughs> you had to wear a mask outdoors imagine yeah. that marathon yeah, uh, surely you Take it off and chuck it away as soon as you start. But uh, yeah, COVID. Remember that? That was I good. Know. Wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, what I was going to say as well. Uh, one other thing I did want to talk about was um, obviously we talked about having a bit of a deload week and things like that. But um, also wanted to talk about recovery and hmm. how you're doing it in between your runs and things like that. So. Are you stretching enough and stuff like that? Obviously, I am uh, having an ice bath after every session now, and I've got up to five minutes in there, and it seems to be doing the trick. It seems to be speeding up recovery, so I'm going to keep on doing that for the rest of the marathon block at least, and then probably will keep that in, in my routine. But the other thing uh, is something that I went for this morning, and why I went out the house. So we were chatting before we started recording. And uh, I said that I had to get out the house early this morning and didn't 
eat or anything. And it's because I went up to the physio and had a sports massage. Ah, uh, yeah. I need to book myself one in. I still haven't done yeah. it. How, how did so, you get on? It, good. But um, after she had got her uh, thumbs and fingers and her elbows into all of uh, my muscles, especially into my like my left glute, which is really tight, getting her elbow and all her weight in there. Um, I've, I've been walking around a bit like I've been hit by a bus today. Really? But I'm now I'm now loosening up uh, this evening and feel quite good. So, mm. yeah, um, I think that is something that people who are doing a lot of mileage or are marathon training should possibly try and put into their um, schedule is getting in for a um, sports massage because it, it does it does do you some good. Would you get one uh, during these deload weeks, during these recovery weeks? Um, you, yeah. Does it not really matter? And how soon after can you do a long run? Um, I I tend to book my uh, sports massages on a non-running day. Yeah. Just because I wouldn't want to go out for a run straight after a sports massage. Number one, because your muscles are aching a little bit from being pummeled. But yeah. also... The whole idea of a sports massage <clears throat> is to relax your muscles and stretch them out and lengthen them back to their original shape and length. Yeah. Whereas running, the whole idea of running is that you are contracting your muscles and making them shorter to have mm. the power to run. So yeah. if you're going for a sports massage to make your muscles as long and relaxed and stretched as they possibly can be, and then yeah. you go out for a run you've completely not only erasing the point of a sports massage, but your muscles aren't in the position that they want to be for a run. So you could then get injured really easy. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's why you should never static stretch before a run. So yeah. before a run, it should always be dynamic stretching. So stretches in the uh, positions and movements of running and yeah. then at post run, should then be static stretching where you are then re-lengthening your muscles to get them back to that relaxed state. Because they've sort of constricted a bit and they've, uh, well, quite yeah. a lot, I guess. Yeah. I, I, last time I had a sports massage with my masseuse was called Jill and she was, uh, I remember she was doing the back of my legs and it's sort of the back of my knee. She was, um, she was like, can you feel that? And it was like, it was almost like, there was almost like a popping sensation in the back of my, um, the back of my sort of, I don't know what that part of your legs called the back of the other side of my knee. And, uh, it's a part of it. What didn't really, um, it didn't, didn't hurt, but she, I could literally feel these little pockets of air or I don't know if they were, I don't really know what they were. It's just, just to, what is it? Scar tissue. Mm hmm. And she was she was just just getting massaging these the these these pockets of sort of little balls basically and and uh, you could feel them. She was just basically just doing it in a certain way, and you could you could just sort of feel feel them dissolving almost. And she was like, "You will feel." I wouldn't go for a run today because she said, "This is basically these are like toxins basically," and and you can push toxins around your body when you sort of break up these areas of scar tissue. And um, she's like, 
yeah, don't go for a run today because you could you could feel dizzy, you could feel lightheaded, that sort of yeah. thing. So um, yeah. yeah, but, but yeah, um, I need I do need to get myself sorted with a uh, yeah. Well, um, I I can thoroughly recommend Nat at Body Cares up at Tidewig Court. Um, she does me um, a blessing every time I go in there, and uh, she sorts me right out. Um, so yeah, her her magic hands have got me through a lot of uh, difficult times and different injuries um, over the last couple of years. Um, a silly silly question, but do you only get your legs done? You don't get like upper body or shoulders, or is it she's mainly just my, your legs. It, so today it was just my legs up to my glutes and lower back but uh, i have in the past had all my back and everything done as well and while yeah. she was uh, working on me today she said we need to move into your back at some point yeah. uh, right. soon because you are tight as hell all up there yeah um, yeah so I, I, I will eventually but at the moment just to get through the marathon i just want them legs loosened up how are you uh, getting on with the ice bath Still, yeah, good. still enjoying it. Still feel. Yeah. Do you know what? It's it's great. I, and as I say, I'm using it for recovery rather than the whole. It makes you feel wonderful. I've never felt yeah. so alive. Yeah, I yeah. don't care about that. So I'm I'm getting in there and going up to like the bottom of my ribs. So okay. all my lower back is going in, but I'm not going yep. up to my shoulders. Uh, so I'm just um, recovering the legs with it basically. But it's yeah. been the last. Uh, the last week or so, I think the water's been around five or six degrees C. Um, mm. And I've been spending five minutes in there and it's, it's doing a good job. It's working. What you're saying, it's like a minute for every degree. It's, it yes, it is, it's the, it's like the maximum yeah. you should be in there. So at five yeah. degrees of water, at five degrees C, you should only be in there five minutes maximum. Yeah. Yeah. Do you start to go a bit numb after a while? Uh, it's not really numb, but do you know, do you know when you go outside and it's really cold and your hands really start to, they, they don't really move properly because they're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, yeah. All stiff with the cold. It's a bit like that. So you start okay. feeling your toes go a bit, a uh, bit cold. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But while I'm in there, I do try and move my legs around a bit rather than just staying static for five minutes. I, yeah. I bounce on my, on my um, toes a little bit just to get my legs moving and get the water going around again yeah. as well but no it's good it's it's really good i'm 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 really impressed with how quick the recovery is from the mileage i'm doing now that i've started using that ice bath because it wasn't like that last year i know i felt the felt the effort in my legs for quite a while afterwards whereas it's kickstarting yeah. the recovery quite quickly yeah oh good i still haven't got the uh the stones to get to get one I, uh... <laughs> Uh, uh, maybe next block maybe for valencia <laughs> yeah might ask you to be my 330 uh yeah you're gonna get one you're gonna get one because i didn't get an ice bath yeah i'll get one in the summer you'll get one in the summer when you'll just leave it outside and the water will be like 20 degrees and yeah, be, yeah, yeah. yeah i'll just get i'll just get in the ice bath <laughs> yeah in the water you can, like you, you can do 20 minutes in here you can go up to your shop it's like, quite nice I have a glass what's of champagne while I'm here. Not a, not a sauna. What's called jacuzzi? Be like a jacuzzi. Yeah. <laughs> Put some bubble bath in there. Now we're talking. Do you know? For, <laughs> oh, you're 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 like this, right? So, for our Newport accommodation, so Laura and I and Daisy are going down to Newport for 
uh, I think we've got Friday to I'm having a couple of days off work Friday and Monday. So we're going Friday, coming back Monday. Um, because I just didn't, I like, I don't know what it is, but after a marathon, I don't like going home, home. No. If I'm traveling yeah. along. So I, li I like to have an extra night away if I can. Uh, so Monday then is my travel home day. So, but anyway, we're staying in, um, we've got, a, we are staying, we didn't realize this, looked on the map and we are staying on the route of the marathon. So Laura can basically, I can go to the start line and I can, and, and as well, what's even better is she can see me at mile five, basically, or mile six. And then we do a big uh, loop and she'll see me again at mile 23. And she's, she's had to oh, walk to live about 100 yards from the house or something like that. Amazing. So, um, so that's awesome. But they wrote to us and they said, well, it's a copy and pasted thing on Airbnb. But he said, just to let you know, you will be one of the first customers to use our new wood fired hot tub. Oh, so, yes. So that <laughs> that is on site. And it's an alpaca farm as well. So it's just going to be a quality, quality Amazing. couple of days stay. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be um, sipping on some champagne, hopefully. Yeah, that'd be wicked. With the, uh, with the alpacas. So, uh, so that's going to be pretty good. But yeah, that, that, how's that for a good bit of luck that it's literally on the route? So that's um, awesome. Totally on that's plan. That's awesome. As well. um, I am conscious about time. Looking up at the uh, clock, um, mm. and there's one big thing that we haven't talked about yet, which everyone needs to uh, know about, and that oh. is the Borton on the Water 10K and Andy's race recap. Yeah. Okay. How was it? Well, I shall talk you through it and as quickly as I can because we're at one sixteen already. Uh, it was good. It was. It was. Um, so the weather forecast was dreadful for the Sunday. However, Saturday everything changed, and it turns out that when we when we were there on the Sunday, it was glorious. So when, what I mean by glorious, it was like February glorious. Mm -hmm. So it was. I think there were highs of like nine degrees or something. So it was actually oh, quite pleasant. Yeah, perfect running weather. Uh, but when we set off, it was fairly cold. It was, you know, three or four degrees. But when the sun came out, it really was quite nice. So running racing conditions were good. And got down there and uh, it was, it's, it was, it shocked me how much of a smaller event it is than I thought it was going to be. I mean, I know it's Borton on the Water in, in the Cotswolds, so it's not going to be like the blooming London Marathon. But there's lit. The, I'd, I'd say there were literally, well, I think I saw in my results, there were 700 finishers, something like that. Mm -hmm. And I thought, because it's got a national acclaim and, and it sells out all the time, I thought there were going to be like 5,000 runners there. I thought mm -hmm. it was going to be quite a big event. But Borton literally is tiny. And I've got a mate who I've met through running, actually, from lad from Pershaw, called AD and I saw him on, on the start line. He does the race every year. And he said, the start bottlenecks. So go, don't feel bad about going out hot because the start of the race, you do two laps of the village and each lap of the village is about 800 meters or a kilometer or something like that. And he said the first bend, so you run not even a hundred meters then you turn a, a sharp right. And then um, you go over it like a little, you know, like a tight, if you've been to Borton on the water, you'll know the little bridge you have to run over. Yeah. And it's probably about, you know, it's, it's a road width wide. So it's, you know, to get 700 people sideways through that was, is, is quite difficult. So 
I listened to his advice and I went out too fast. I did what any self-respected <laughs> runner would do and I went out way too fast. And my first two kilometers, just looking at my splits, were, bear in mind, I'm going to talk in Ks, but my PB pace was 425. That's my target to beat. I turned up on the day and my plan was don't go out too fast. Go out at PB pace and just hang on. Try and try and yeah. hang on. Um, so I went out, I did a 416. So not not terribly too fast. <laughs> yeah. Second, second lap, 415, even faster. But, I, but I'm not joking, right? The pit, because I, I wasn't at the front, but I wasn't at the back. I was probably about a third of the way forward. It was a fast start. Like I, there were people, I, it was just a sea of super shoes. It was ridiculous. All you could hear was alpha flies, and it was just, it was so loud, so deafening. And I was like, I'm going to just let myself get swept away in this tide because I'll see what happens. And then I did my my second K, looked at my watch. And then I went to plan B, which was, okay, we're going to go faster than we said we were. And I tried to hang on to that going out pace, which, nice. I've, which I've never done before. Yeah. And it didn't happen. So oh. third, third, fourth, fifth K, I was down to 425, 427, 430. And I was thinking, something's wrong here. What's going on? Why I'm feeling like I'm putting loads of power in, but I'm I'm, I'm looking at my watch and I'm not getting any quicker. And at K, at K5, there's a slight rise and there's a turnaround point. And there's there is a little hill. The overall elevation of the race was obviously flat in comparison, but it wasn't flat, flat. It wasn't Worcester Pitchcroft Park run flat, which is yeah, five yeah, yeah. meters of elevation. It was, I think in total, it was about 40 meters. But that there was about 500 meter section that did catch me out. And I was thinking, ah, this doesn't feel right. And then I just thought, right, this is just about hanging on. And I was thinking in my head, thank God I went out too fast because I'm <laughs> hanging on to plan A here. I'm, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm now hanging on to PB pace. And I thought I could have gone 10 seconds a K faster. So six, seven, eight, nine. I did 429, 427, 430. 9428. And then I got to 40 minutes on the watch exactly. And it was 9K. And I said to myself, right, I've got four minutes and 32 seconds to run this K. And I'll always back myself to do a last good K. Yeah. But I was just, I felt like I was running out of power slightly. Um, partly because of the chat we'd had the week before having 80k 50 mile in your legs by that point yeah. maybe one of the big reasons I was running out of steam but I said right I'm going to put I'm going to put my foot down and AD who had told me to go out fast he'd run previously a 45 minute or 40 46 minute and he was going for 44 high to try and get a PB and he was on my tail because at this point I was on for about 44 40 which wouldn't have been a PB uh-huh and he said, he watched my hat just go, like, like yeah. I've just gone up again. <laughs> and I zoomed around this last corner, back on the last lap. I mean, it wasn't astronomically fast. It, I did it in 4.12, which was my fastest oh, nice. K. All, I did it all, that my fastest K all day. So I managed to find something. And then I saw a Worcester Black Pear jogger, and he was sort of in my sights, and he, I was watching him my whole last K, because his in Worcester Black Pear joggers, their names are all on the thing, and he's called Dale. And I was like, right, I'm going to try my best to reel him in. And then turn this last corner and I've, I have I ran. My my Garmin said I did 149 per kilometre top speed, which I might have only hit for a second or two, but I'll take it. 
I was running. <laughs> I was sprinting like I've never run before. Uh, I didn't look at my watch. Um, listen to Coach Brett in my head saying, don't look at your watch last K. Just, just go, 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 yeah. go, go. And ran that last 100 metres as fast as I possibly could. Ran Dale to the line, but he uh, he kind of matched me for speed. And we had a good little battle. And yeah, then I've, I got I've, over the line. I've watched that video I've, on uh, on your Instagram. It's a great, great finish, that is. It's but I, I, really th- I really thought I could reel him in. And I got in with a 423 per kilometre average, which got me in at 44.20. So all in all, a 12-second PB. Nice. At the end, at that's, the end of all that, that's wicked. So, not the. I think I thought right. This is a flat race and it's a fast race. I think I thought I could breeze that, and then I kind of remembered halfway round that I'd got fifty mile on my legs, and I haven't had yeah. fifty mile on my legs for six months. Yeah, and You're deep, mar- deep in marathon training. Yeah. So um, who knows? Maybe maybe another time. Yeah, I, but I, I to- maybe. To be that deep in marathon training and still pull out a PB, that shows you're in good shape, mate. Well, hopefully, yeah. Thanks, mate. I, I did feel, and what I did like is I managed to find something at the end. Yeah. And um, I try to pride myself on that. I try to always just have something to pull out the bag if I can. Um, and Because it just makes you feel good when you cross that line. And yeah, um, yeah really, always really pleased. Always save something for that finish. Yeah. 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 And and I, I did, I, I wish, because I mean, if I'd have held that going out pace, I think I would have come in. I mean, I don't know what a 415 pace is. I could probably work it out. It's probably about a 43, 42 and a half. Because um, you'd be saving 10 seconds a kilometer. Yeah. Um, and when that adds up over, it's 80 seconds shorter than what I got. So yeah, it's about. It's about 43.15 or something, which would have been a massive, massive PB. But yeah, I just wasn't able to hold that pace. So I just sat back and I thought, okay, I'll go with the original plan and just try and hang on to that PB pace. And yeah. uh, just about did it. And I always back myself to finish hard. And uh, yeah, but I, I had that little panic. I looked at my watch. I made the choice, conscious decision to look at my watch. And at 40 minutes, as soon as I went over 9K, and I did the maths and it was like, right, I've got four minutes and 32 seconds to get the job done. And uh, bear in mind, I'd just run a 429, 420, 428 and a 430. So it, I was yeah. slowly slowing down. So, yeah, like I said, delighted Amazing. that I managed, managed to find something. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Congratulations on a new PB. Yeah. So uh, really pleased with that. And, um, yeah, first one of the year. Hopefully more to come. In all the Amazing. distances. So uh so yeah, buzzing with it. Good. Well, if that if if that is the last item on the bill, you know what's coming. <laughs> we all know what's coming. It is the running the red line, Brett's end of the podcast quiz. But this week, <laughs> because I only thought about this at quarter to seven. Excellent. There's no there's no actual quiz. So this week it's a beat the intro. You have got, um, oh, by the way, before we do this, sixth musical, Henry VIII, unbelievable. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, Un- I'm very, very jealous. Unreal. Very jealous. Like, what a, if you get the chance to see it, everyone vaguely has some knowledge on Henry VIII. 
Go and see the show and you'll be obsessed with it, just like I am, just like Brett is. It's so, so cool. And it's told, the story is told in a way that is so accessible to all, whether you're a kid, an adult, probably not even British, it would make sense. And yeah, the songs are just so cheeky and funny and amazingly catchy. So yeah, I would definitely recommend. So yeah, big fan of uh, Sixty Musical. Uh, but whilst we're on the the the, the uh, whilst we're on that um, talking about music, your quiz today is a beat the intro. So I'm going to play you the intro of five songs. Okay. I will give you five seconds, and I need yeah. the artist and the song, and there is. A connection between the five answers. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so, do we do we on. know is is there a time period with them, or are they just all random from all over the time? Uh, looking at these, there is. You will know, you will know these. They're all pop songs uh-huh. written within the last 30, 40 years. Okay. Okay. So you 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 should you should know them as a muso. You will know these. So you've got. Five seconds or until I stop it, if it's getting too obvious. Okay. Question one. What's your your answer? It's got to be 80s. Because of the yep. uh, the really snappy snare drum, um, yeah. but I don't think I know that. I don't think I know it. Okay, all right. We'll move on to question two. Oh man, okay. <laughs> That's blue and all rise. <laughs> you got that, that way too easily. Yeah, <laughs> as if I know that, but I didn't hear that. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, question three. A Scar Tissue by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Correct. Question four. That is Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison. Here he goes. He's back in the game now. Question five. This is on my running playlist. Correct. So any takers on this one? Question one. Can you think of it? Can you see any connections so far? Right, I'll fast forward it a little bit. You recognize that voice? Yeah. Oh, oh, I know what that is now. Oh, never meant to cause you in this hour. I know exactly what it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's not like Vic Reeves now. It is Prince and Purple Rain. Correct. it is all colours. Purple, blue, red, brown and black. Now, can you get the connection, though? There is is a very deliberate reason that I've put them in that order. Purple, blue, red, brown and black. Purple, blue, red, brown, black. 
it is to do with a sport. Oh, is it karate belts? Correct. Yeah. Yes, they're the, they're the five highest belts you can achieve. Amazing. Or, as my mate Paul calls it, karate. Karate. I used to call it karate. <laughs> karate. It's karate. Karate kid. <laughs> so, Amazing. yeah, there you go. Well done. You've that. got the connection. You've done it. As if I couldn't, as if I didn't realise it was Prince first time. Never mind. Yeah. What a song. I was on it after that, though, so it's all good. Yeah. You you were like, you were like the, the Baroness, the chaser on the chase. You were just like, <laughs> Bang, bang, bang! <laughs> what's the what's the big guy called? Can't think uh, what he's the called be- now. The Beast. Yeah, yeah. You were like the Beast from the Chase. Yeah. Which I've got a, I've got a good bit of trivia about him, which is hilarious. Right. Go on. Go on. So, why do you think he's called the Beast? The Beast. Something. Ah. Uh, is it food related? No, but just off his look, why would you, why would you instantly think he was called the beast? That was his name. Because he's like six foot nine. Yes, because he's he's massive, which everybody thought he was called the beast because he's massive, but he's not. He's called the beast because his name is Mark Labette and and Labette is the beast in French. Beauty and Levet. Oh, that's absolutely brilliant. So everybody thinks it's because he's massive. He's called the Beast, but it's not. It's because his name is the Beast. Oh, what a name. That is incredible. (laughs) What a guy. Yeah, but there we go. On that that bombshell. Oh, man. Oh, I don't like saying that. I sound like, what's his name? Um, Partridge. No, I sound like Jerry Clarkson Clarkson from Top Gear. I take that back. On that note, you're not, are you not a fan? Well, it just make me makes me sound middle aged, doesn't it? Yeah, I suppose it's. A, have you been to his farm? Do you know he's got like a farm in the Cotswolds? Yeah, no, I haven't. Farm my brother, my brother has, but I haven't. No, because he no, did a whole. It, he did like an Amazon series about it, didn't he? Yeah, this diddly squat thing, isn't it? But yeah. apparently, it's only a farm shop, and it's. Yeah, I don't know. I've got literally no opinion on it because all I know is that it's in the Cotswolds. But, yeah, uh, no, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't been to it or, yeah, I don't really know about it because I haven't watched the Amazon thing either. So, but there we go. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, on that note, shall we, uh, shall we call it a, uh, an evening and, uh, yeah. finish a bit earlier than last week's? Yeah, I think we should. We've done just over an hour and a half. So, uh, yeah. hopefully we've accompanied you on your long run. Yeah. Uh, we, we so, never know how long to make these things, by the way. No, we, we don't know. We constantly, we're constantly thinking: is this too long? Is this too short? So uh, yeah, we, we'll just we'll just chat until we think it comes to a natural end. Yeah, but it, it, hopefully we have kept you company on that run. And uh, thank you so much for listening once again. Uh, we'll be back again next week. But um, yeah, until next time, thank you very much, and we'll see you soon. Take it easy, guys. Cheers, guys. Oh, 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 oh,